well, I wasn't really a parent that much in my marriage, so I just kind of plugged you into that role, and it was easier to just let you take over and do everything. Um, they kind of set us up to fail sometimes, so you kind of get that, gotta get them under control first before you even start to work on the kid dynamic. <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Howdy, folks. All right, so we're coming up on Thanksgiving. We talked about that last week. You didn't like my country accent? Everybody knows you have a country accent. Howdy, folks. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about Black Friday. Y'all, David loves shopping on Black Friday. I, on the other hand, can't stand shopping on a Thursday morning any day. Yeah, but you went Black Friday shopping with me once. And I sat in the buggy like a crazy person. But you know it was fun. What was fun was me standing up and fussing at the people taking stuff before they were supposed to. I'd be like, <laughs> eh, 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 and pointing at my watch. It ain't time. Put that back. It ain't time. Because <laughs> where we are, they'll have the Black Friday sales where the vacuum cleaners go on sale at seven o'clock and then the you know ninja food processors go on sale at 10 o'clock or whatever it's yeah they they release things at different times they're trying to make you stay in the store for 10 hours is what they're doing (laughs) but yeah it was crazy it was crazy we did make some friends that one day remember that yeah well i think what i like i like about it's not really the shopping i like it i think it's the people watching that i like no I'd rather watch them on TV. Because people are crazy. Yeah, and they get on my nerves, and they bump into you, and they're rude, and they don't know how oh, to say definitely excuse that. me. They're definitely that. You you do see Fights. the worst of people, I believe, on Black Friday. I had to go in a football suit, wear protective gear. But, yeah, it's it's amazing. Remember that one year that um, we went and took all the kids and had them split up and run to different departments? Oh, yeah, we had a plan. I think that was before they started the – timing of the sales yeah yeah it was because we went in uh took my four kids in and then everybody had a certain thing or two things they had to get and so we would take them around the store this is where this is where you need to be and when you need to be there and what you need to get and so we would station the kids (laughs) throughout the store and then you know whatever time it was 10 o'clock whatever you know, they would open up that section and then everybody would grab everything. And then we would meet back at a, actually, I think we would meet back at like the grocery section because nobody's in groceries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Except for the people lined up to get the TVs and stuff. Yep. And so we would meet back over there. Then I, that one time we did that, I mean, I think we had all of our shopping done and out, out of the store in like 30 minutes. Yeah. On a Black Friday. Well, it, that's because those kids are like little tiny football players. Yeah. <laughs> they wiggle around through people and push them and <laughs> I know but that was that was fun um but there's I mean there's not a huge reason to do Black Friday anymore because they start Black Friday so far in advance like I'm I'm still seeing still I'm already seeing Black Friday sales yeah you sent me the coal stuff the other day yeah well that's that's their thing advertising Black Friday oh but I, no I'm seeing people like saying this is the Black Friday pricing now so get it now well Um, i really think that it's unsafe in a lot of ways (laughs) to have 50 tvs 
for 50% off what they normally are in a Walmart because those people get hurt and they fight over stuff. And, you know, everybody's got their kids and the poor little kids are terrified because people screaming and cussing at each other. And I mean, it, it gets out of hand. It gets really out of hand. But then they started Cyber Monday. Yeah, which is by far better. Yeah, because you don't get run over. But let me tell you, if you're an employer, you will not get any work out of anybody on Cyber Monday. <laughs> Everybody's shopping all day long on Cyber Monday. Mm, yeah, probably. Yeah, they are. They're on Amazon. They're waiting because Amazon does that trick where they release things at certain times. Oh, on, they do that on Prime Day too, don't yes, they? Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And then you only have 15 minutes to check out of your cart, too, yeah. or something. So they do all this crazy stuff to get you to buy, but it is much, much better to buy online. And here's the crazy thing. I can stand in line at, let's say, Best Buy to get this special deal on a TV. I can get the same flipping thing online and not leave my house. But yet people will still knock each other down and wait in line for hours to get it. Well, and the other thing, too, is a lot of companies... It's been proven, so don't fuss at me. They jack up their prices in order to lower them or to give a certain percentage off for Black Friday. And really, you might pay two months later $2 more for it and didn't risk your life. Well, the funny thing is that what they don't sell during that Christmas season, um, if you watch, a lot of those will be uh, discontinued items or whatever in January. And so... um, you know, you can definitely get uh, even better deals. I've been in, I've been in Walmart before the day after Black Friday, and they had so much stuff that they ordered that even after the rush is gone, there's still plenty there. And you can walk in, you get the same exact price that everybody the day before got. What about the people that like camp out at Best Buy the night before? Like these people yeah. will go get in line at a Best Buy with their tent. And spend the night to make sure they're there at 5 o'clock in the morning to get this TV for whatever price or this computer. Mm -hmm. My question is, where did they go to the bathroom? (laughs) Because if they get out of line, they're going to lose their spot. I don't know. Maybe they bring a porta potty I don't know. It scares me. I'll be sleeping in a parking lot with a bunch of people. But let's, do we want to talk about I never would have survived Woodstock, would I? Well, they have the Burning Man thing now, which is every year. What's that? Oh, okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> is it bad? No, it's not bad, but it's kind of like a Woodstock thing every okay. year. <laughs> you don't know about Burning Man? No. Okay. I just want to make sure we don't have to add a disclaimer to this. No. Um, all right. So do we want to talk about purchasing stuff for Christmas, or do we want to save that for maybe another time? Well... I think we should offer a Black Friday deal for the Academy. Oh, that's a great idea. All right. So here we go. We're going to offer a Black Friday. It's going to go through Cyber Monday like most online deals. Yep. So only available Black Friday through Cyber Monday, which would be November the 29th. Through um, December 2nd. Through December 2nd. So you've got four days. Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll do start at midnight. On mm-hmm. uh, on the 29th, right? Right. And then run it through 11.59 on the 2nd. That sounds good. 
So you got four full days to get whatever deal Lori's about to tell us. <laughs> well, I think it should be the first month of the Academy, 50% off. Okay. And then each additional month would be normal price. All right. So every so the first month for everybody who signs up during that four-day period. Mm-hmm. So I guess we need to give them a coupon code because they have to have a coupon code at checkout. Yes. All right. So what coupon code do you want to give out? Your Black Friday code, your Black Friday through Cyber Monday code mm-hmm. to get the first month of the Nacho Kids Academy for 50% off is BF2019. Is that, that's capital B, capital F. Like boyfriend. All right. So if you have a problem getting that to work, let us know. Send us an email. If uh, if you go to use it during that time frame, if you try to use it before the time frame or after the time frame, it will not work. Yeah, don't try to use it today. You gotta wait till next Friday. Yep. All right. So you get fifty percent off first month, and then it goes to regular price. So there's no reason why you can't jump to the academy and get everything in that you can get the first month. Right. Because it's not a a drip campaign type thing. You get access to everything. Right. Yeah. So. And if they sign up on the 29th, they would have it through December. 28th or 29th, whatever the 30-day period is, right? Yeah, so you, you got all the tools you need to start 2020 out with a bang. That's right. All right, so let's talk about our guest. Okay. This lady is stepmama Christina. Hey, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Nacho Kids saved her sanity, too. Oh. We need to have a sanity saver retreat. <laughs> sanity saver. We should buy some like lifesavers, candies, and hand them out to people. Why? Because the Nacho Kids is a lifesaver. I know, but they're going to eat the lifesaver. It's... All right, keep going. I see okay. your brain over there like grinding. That's right. You don't hear it. She also works with autistic children. Okay. And her daughter is on the spectrum. So this will give people some insight into that as well. Because we see that a lot. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of blended families that either have stepkids on the spectrum or bio kids on the spectrum and it's hard for the other parent not even the other parent the step person or the the person coming in <laughs> to know how to deal with a child that is on the spectrum mm-hmm. and she has really went through some stuff though y'all like the high conflict bio mom threatened to make her lose her baby Ooh, yeah cray cray mm-hmm. so let's get to listening <laughs> Okay. All right. So first, a word from our academy. But don't forget, discount. <laughs> discount. BF2019. 50% off. Black Friday to Cyber Monday. Yep. And if you happen to have any questions about the academy, go to nachokidsacademy.com. That's where it's at. Nachokidsacademy.com. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step-family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step-parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today, we have stepmom Christina. Hey, Christina, how are you? Hi, Lori. I'm great. So tell us a little bit about your blend. How long have you been blending? So we've been doing this for about eight and a half years. Um, I met my fiance 
you know, through mutual friends. And then we both ended up separating and gory details eight and a half years later, we're still, still fighting for it. So I say fighting because that's really what it feels like every day. (laughs) You know, we often tell people um, that every day you survive the blend is a day to celebrate. And it's true. Oh, you're not kidding. You are not kidding. (laughs) Someday, I don't know how we do it, but we do it. Yeah, definitely. So how old are the kids and are there step kids, bio kids, ours kids? There's all of it. There's all of it. (laughs) Um, I have two daughters from my previous marriage. I have two stepdaughters that my husband brought in. And then we have ours son who's six. So they, (laughs) it was fun in the beginning, but they're 14, 13, 13, and 11. So, yeah. Yes. And if you're doing the math, they were all under six when we got together. So it was, it was kind of a, a learning experience every day. Oh, I'm sure. Now, we often see that it's easier with the blend when the stepkids are younger. And did you have that same situation where it was easier to blend with them in the beginning? And did things kind of change as they got older? Well, in the beginning, it was absolutely effortless. They were little, and I just kind of fit the same, like, this is who's with daddy. So we're going to go with her and it was easy, but as they get older and they're more aware and they understand things, it's getting harder, much harder. (laughs) Now, what's the visitation schedule with the stepkids? So dad works a lot of hours and we've kind of scaled everything back now. So they're here Wednesday in the summertime all day after school during school time. And every other weekend, they're supposed to sleep over. So we've kind of been letting them pick and choose as they see fit or comfortable. Um, That wasn't a me decision because I nacho. That was a dad decision. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what about your kids? What about the visitation with your bio kids? They don't have – dad lives in Florida, which is far away from New York. So they don't really have a lot of contact they go once a year, usually for their birthday, but um, they're here with us full time. So totally different, okay. totally different circumstances that kind of sets things crazy too. Right. Now you said that you nacho. Mm-hmm. Full. Like I, I have gotten, that's the only thing that's kind of saving my sanity at this point. Um, we, we're dealing with a lot of animosity and a lot of, you know, blaming, like it's, my parents aren't together because of you. Everything is your fault. So mm-hmm. it's been so much, like I didn't understand what it was in the beginning. I slowly started to disengage and pull back. But now it's just a full on, like I won't even say hello unless they say hello first. Um, we just mm-hmm. kind of exist in the same space. And that's what works for me right now. <laughs> and, and that's what you have to do is what works. And I know a lot of people listening to this might go, wait a minute, you're the adult. You should say hello to those children when they come in your house. Well, reality check, people. When they come in your house and you say, hey, how are you? And they completely ignore you, then it is best not to have that type of engagement. Because what happens is if the kid comes in and doesn't respond to you, it makes you mad or it hurts your feelings. And so it just sets the tone for them being there as being negative. Whereas if they come in and you don't say anything and they don't say anything, then there's no hostility straight off the bat. Right. 
and that I feel like they're already on their way here thinking, oh, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be horrible. So if they're already thinking that way, anything you say is already horrible. It doesn't matter. Oh, hello. Mm -hmm. How are you? I missed you. It's already seen as, oh, she's annoying. I don't want her to talk to me. Right. So it's just better that way when we exist in the same space. It's kind of, mm-hmm. kind of how I refer to it. <laughs> yeah. And you were saying that, you know, they were, they may already be thinking about how it's going to be bad when they get there. You know, I'm sure you've seen it in a lot of the Facebook groups, but a lot of the step parents had the same anxiety come Wednesday. They're already stressing about how negative and bad things are going to be when the stepkids come on Friday. And that kind of sets the tone for everything. Like my husband and I have really talked about putting ourselves in a good place and trying to stay positive no matter what happens or what goes on, because that is what they're going to keep seeing, that consistency and us just staying positive. So no matter how negative they are or how upset they are or who they're blaming, because it's not always me, it's dad's fault too. So Mm -hmm. we just try to stay positive. And as long as we're happy together, it doesn't really matter what goes on. And we try to try to say the same thing to the kids that live here full time, because as much as they see it as a disruption of their space, like you have people that haven't been here for almost a whole week. Now they're coming over. They don't know what happened. They don't know how they're going to be received. I think it helps that I'm an educator because I'm very empathetic. Like I'm always trying to put myself in other people's shoes. Mm-hmm. And when you try to put yourself in that position of a 13-year-old girl who doesn't understand her emotions anyway, and now she's got to deal with her dad's whatever she is and her dad that can't be around as much as she'd like, you know, it just sets the tone. So the more we stay positive and the more we just keep loving each other, that's, yes. that's what changes it for them eventually. Like we can't sit here and say, you know, today's horrible. Tomorrow's going to be horrible too. No, today was horrible, but tomorrow's going to be great. Like we're going to keep working. <laughs> we're not giving up. Exactly. One of the things that we do in the Nacho Kids Academy is a 28 days to change your thinking challenge because we as humans have a tendency to have negative thoughts. A lot. And during my research, um, I had actually already heard of this man, but his name is Dr. Daniel Amen, and he talks about ants, automatic negative thinking. And there's nine ants. um, Like one of them is the fortune-telling ant, where you say, oh, well, I just know that this is going to happen. Or, you know, things that you don't know that's going to happen, but you waste your time and energy thinking about it, and it brings you down. And so we teach people ways to overcome those negative thoughts and how to be aware of them and more deliberate in your thinking and find the good when you start having those negative thoughts by stopping them, number one, by number two, by realizing, are they really real? Which most of the time they're not. (laughs) Right, right. They're irrational thoughts. But we also want people to understand that you have these thoughts because of something that's happened to you in the past. So your mind is trying to protect you, but it also is hurting you by trying to protect you because it's kind of throwing those irrational thoughts out there. So one of the things that I'm sure that you know um, that's a really good thing to do is for a gratitude journal to write down five things that are positive every day, five things that you are thankful for or five positive affirmations because we have to feed ourselves 
positive things because we surely don't get them from Facebook or from work or anywhere else. And like going back to what you said about people that give too much of themselves, we were talking about that earlier. And I tend to be that type of person because I do put myself in other people's shoes. I give way too much of myself to the point where I'm completely drained. Everybody else is great, but I feel like I've just been run over by a freight train. So Mm -hmm. that's really the power of positive thinking has really changed a lot of things for me. Um, Being in this situation, I developed depression, anxiety, and even some PTSD from some of the high conflict situations that we've been in and been exposed Mm -hmm. to. And um, like, I don't go to formal therapy because we live in an area where it's inaccessible. So for me to just take that time and, you know, meditate in the morning, think about how I want my day to go and practice the positive thinking and changing the negative thoughts that I had towards this whole experience, that has changed a lot between the nacho method and the power of positive thinking, that's the only thing that's really saving me. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but it's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you bring up PTSD because I say this a lot that I really feel like that stepmoms experience PTSD from the struggles that they have in the blend. I, I, I think if they did a study on it and, you know, therapists and psychiatrists were allowed to share that kind of information, I think we would see it so much more. Like I never had any issues and I had two babies 11 months apart and I was raising them pretty much on my own. And I never had any issues with anxiety, depression. I was working full time, but the minute I got into this situation and there was that conflict of you're trying to take my place you know, I haven't gotten over this yet and you're already in my spot. That really brought on a lot of anxiety for me. And a lot of, you know, not everybody goes through the high conflict things. Uh, Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think people say high conflict and they don't really understand what it means. Just having somebody mad because you're with their ex isn't high conflict. To have somebody, you know, threatening to wait for you outside of your job with a group of people to make, like, to uh, commit a violent act against you and have you lose your unborn child like that, that is high conflict when you have to have police escort you to your car. Um, those are the things that have brought on my PTSD. I know not, not everybody goes through that. Like that's, it's easy for them to make the adjustment, but it has not been easy. It's still not easy. And we're, you know, nine, almost nine years later. Right. So I know, um, yeah, that's definitely a very um, real example of high conflict. And I assume that the bio mom feeds the stepkids or her kids stuff about you. That's negative. And so that probably causes issues with your relationship with them and even their relationship with their dad. It's, and it's really affecting their relationship with their dad. And I think that's what hurts me the most. And where I have the most resentment is watching him go through that pain. And like a lot of it, I try to tell him, you know, you see the girls here going through the same thing. It's puberty. It's them changing and not understanding any of it. But as a dad to have his baby girl, you know, daddy's little girl, just totally not want to speak to him and blame him for every bad thing that happens in her life. It's been really hard to watch. He's just, he's, he's really hurt. And then you have to take that into the next visit and try not to go into it with resentment and try to stay positive. So, yeah, I'm going through it, Lori. <laughs> right. And and the visits are so spread apart mm-hmm. that, 
you don't really have time to heal from any of the hurt that happened on that weekend. And we, you know, we tried, we thought that the time spent apart was going to, you know, cause these issues. So about a year and a half ago, we moved into a much bigger home where we have room for all of the children and we wanted to go to a 50-50 schedule so that dad would have that chance to put them to bed at night, see them in the morning before school and get that, you know, parenting time that is rightfully his also. Um, And that's when it started, the animosity wall started and a lot of the alienation started. So, you know, we really haven't found any solutions. So that's kind of where Nacho came into play. And it's been the only thing that has kept us afloat and saved me in my sanity. (laughs) Girl, I'm right there with you. When when I came to the realization that I needed to Nacho and step back, it was like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. And then... I kicked into, well, wait a minute. Why am I the only one having to change? And so you start having that little pity party. And it's like, well, I can't say anything. And I'm a very outspoken person. (laughs) You're trying to change who I am. And then I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Here we go with shifting your thinking again. The real power that I found, the real power is when you can sit there and not say anything. That is when you have power over yourself. Yes. And power over like just training your thoughts and power over the reaction. The reaction is where like the money or the negativity is. That's really where it is. When you can finally get to a point where you control your reaction and it doesn't, it doesn't bother you. Um, that's, that's where the magic happens. That's the sweet spot. And that's kind of where, yes. that's where I'm falling into now. So I was really excited to hear that you were going to have some more people share their experiences on the podcast. Yes. And I'm so glad that you're getting to that sweet spot because it's like, it's life changing. It really is. Um, I noticed with me that I even started applying it to things outside of the blend. Yes. For instance, um, you know, I've said this before. If somebody's riding my butt driving down the road, I will pull over and let them pass me because why let it get you upset? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm not letting somebody steal my joy. No, no, not anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And we have to give things the proper emotional weight. Um, David laughs at with the little scenarios I come up with. And I said, you know, you come home from work early and the stepkids skip school and they've got a bunch of friends over. Okay. Yeah. That's going to make you mad, but that shouldn't have the same weight as you come in and the stepkid and 15 of her friends are playing strip poker and smoking dope at your kitchen table. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. You know, I know. Yeah. I come up with some crazy things, but yes. Well, there's a story behind where that comes from. (laughs) Yeah. My, um, my older sister taught me a lot of what not to do. (laughs) I just, for me, I feel like, you know, when I'm in the groups, there's a lot of stepmom groups and on social media and things that I read. And I think that a lot of people just tend to forget that they're kids and they're going through it too. Like we, we lack the ability to think backwards. So, you know, my kids do the same thing my stepkids do, but for some reason I take a reaction to what the stepkids do. And if you just, because they're not your kids. And if you just stop reacting, because at the end of the day, like whether you get mad that they took their shoes off or they didn't take their shoes off, it's not going to change anything. You're just mad. 
So let little things go. That's my biggest advice to anybody that's new to it. And like, I wish there were more resources when you get into a blended family. I kind of just went crazy searching out there in cyberspace. But like, if there was a manual, if they just gave you a manual and said, hello, welcome to your blended family. And this is what you should do. Don't try to be mom. Mm -hmm. Don't step into that role and take everything on and wear yourself out. Just here, just take this book. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've heard of the five by five rule where if something's not going to matter in, I think maybe it's five days is what they say, but I say five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks, then don't spend more than five seconds worrying about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I don't know. It's Is it life just as busy as it is and how we have to car- compartmentalize everything that makes us so like annoyed with everything. Like we just take offense to everything. It's personally offending me that you're wearing that outfit. Like I think if people could just learn to let things go, we said, we have a saying in my house, we, you got to Elsa that you just got to let it go. It's not a big deal. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. Kids understand that so much better than we do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I know with me, when we were slap in the middle of the struggles, yes, the empty cereal box, was a trigger for me. And it could make me mad for a day, 24 hours. I was mad about a flipping empty cereal box. And, you know, I I was aware enough to know that it wasn't the cereal box as much as it was what it represented to me. It represented lazy stepkids, unappreciative stepkids, stepkids that would never make anything out of their life. You know, here I go fortune telling their Mm -hmm. future based off of a cereal box. But we have to find those triggers and we have to find a different way to deal with them. If we can't avoid them, then we have to find a way to better cope with them and to handle the situation. And one of the things that we'd like to talk about is the five second rule, where if something's bothering you, you count backwards. Um, Mel Robbins came up with this from five to zero. And once you get to zero, you either remove yourself from the situation. And if you can't, you refocus your thoughts. I, I've seen that work kind of in my, my marriage relationship because we're both very passionate, emotional people. And we tend to really hold on to our point of view, especially mm-hmm. when we're in a conflict. And it's the same thing as working with my daughter who's on the spectrum. So when she's upset, she's elevated and there is nothing that you can say that's going to get through to her. Well, we kind of do the same thing. We hold on to that like offense or our point of view and just have no ability to see the other person's. So then we'll just say, listen, we need to pause. And that's our cue to like walk away from each other, go decompress, figure out what is really important. And we've used it with the kids too, where, you know, they'll get into a confrontation, his oldest, because she's a teenager now, she'll get into a confrontation with him about, you know, you're not listening to me or I'm not being heard. It's not fair. You don't like us as much as everybody else kind of thing. And he has to say, we need to pause right now because I'm getting too upset there. I mean, we've, made the mistake of saying things that we haven't meant in our anger, especially with them. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to get to the point where they don't talk to us anymore. Right now they're, even though they're yelling and they're upset, they're still expressing their, their feelings. So right. Just healthy, trying to do it healthy. Like everybody's going to have the conflict. It's going to come, especially in this pressure cooker that we are in with a blended family, Mm -hmm. but finding healthy ways to kind of manage that conflict and, 
turn it around from negative to positive. That's, that's really where we are right now as a family. So that yeah, five minute very... thing, five second thing, five day, five hour, five week, that, that works wonders once you can put it into play. But when you're hot headed, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Cause if, you know, um, if my stepkid spills milk on my couch, then if you ask me if it's going to matter in five days, five weeks, I'm be like, yeah, it is because it's going to stink. You know, it's it's going to matter. Right. It's going to matter because we're mad and we're going off that emotion. But the reality of it is if something tragic happened and something happened to your stepkid, would that milk on the couch matter? Absolutely not. No. You wouldn't care. You'd throw the couch out. It's fine. Right. Right. We, um, you were talking about us forgetting that they're kids, and I'm guilty of that because I was so wrapped up in, I was miserable, they weren't listening to me, everything they were doing wrong, how I was worried about my kid not being happy, how my marriage was stressed. So it was hard for me to step out of the box and go, wait a minute, these are kids. I came in they were happy that we got married until I started parenting them. They didn't need another parent. All it did was cause problems, and I had to step back. And when I was able to step back, I was able to go, you know what? I remember when I was 14 years old and how I was a smart mouth, and I just thank God that these kids aren't that smart mouth to me as my, I was to my mama. Absolutely. Yeah. I think about that all the time. And, you know, like I, some stepmoms don't have any children of their own or they've never had to mm -hmm. raise a teenager and so I can understand how your own feelings are forefront so uh, everything is instantly offensive but when you have teenagers of your own and you can apply that kind of to that behavior then it's not so personal like sometimes yes it is personal like I've seen his daughter go out of her way to leave something somewhere because she thought I was gonna have to be the one to pick it up um, but like they're just kids. They're teenagers are going to leave right. stuff around, whether it's yours, his, our, it doesn't matter. And that's where people get so wrapped up in into. And I don't know if it's just us that causes it. Sometimes my husband and I are starting to find out that that whole, um, well, I wasn't really a parent that much in my marriage. So I just kind of plugged you into that role. And it was easier to just let you take over and do everything. Um, they kind of set us up to fail sometimes. So you kind of get that, got to get them under control first before you even start to work on the kid dynamic. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is so it. And David, I wish he was here right now um, on here with us recording this because he will tell you that he thought that I would just slide into the mommy role and take over the scheduling, the cooking, the cleaning, you know, everything that the mother normally does. And that it was bad because he did put all that on me. And it wasn't fair for him to put all that on me and expect me to be able to handle four more kids, even though, you know, I'm pretty awesome. But, <laughs> we uh, are, though, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are awesome. And see, that's something else. We have to tell ourselves we are awesome. We can't say, well, I'm a crappy stepmom. Or wait for our husbands to do it because they don't, they're not aware enough to even go there. 
<laughs> yeah, lift yourself up. Don't wait for somebody else to give you kudos. Go stand in front of the mirror and say, I am awesome. Yes, am it awesome. makes a huge difference. It feels silly at first, but when you start saying those good things to yourself, and you know, it's what I teach my teenage daughters, like you have to say good things to yourself because that little inner voice is always going to go to the, oh, look at that fat roll there. Is that, that really, really good? Like somebody yes. thinks that's cute. That's not cute. No, no, no. Don't say those things to yourself. Get in the mirror and say all oh, good things. Things. Worry about the mm -hmm. other stuff later. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, squash those ants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, be an ant eater. I like that. That's cute. My son will like that. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have to look it up. Um, I think that, in fact, I know that the guy just wrote a book for kids about being an ant eater. Hmm. I am going to have to check that it's, out. It's um, Daniel Amen, A-M-E-N. Getting it down as we speak. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we definitely need to help the kids, even if it's the stepkids. I mean, look at it from their perspective. They don't have one stable home. They've got two homes. Most of the time, they have a bio mom that's bashing the stepmom. A lot of times, they have the bio mom that's bashing the bio dad. And they're slapping the middle of it. And even if they don't bash them verbally, if there's animosity and resentment and anger between the two, the kids pick up on that. Yeah, and we've tried, we've tried mediation. We've tried because I, as you know, I have a lot of education when it comes to child psychology and things for my line of work. So when I sit in the middle of it and I watch their interactions with each other and like that, when one person still has emotion, right? When one person can't let go of that emotion and like I say mom is in the ex-fiance or ex ex-husband stage. She's not in the co-parent stage yet. She's still mm -hmm. seeing him as her ex-husband and ex-dad in the home and ex-everything. The negative is still there. Mm -hmm. So it affects her interaction. And then when I sit in the middle of the two of them, I used to be the go-to. I used to be the one that carried the weight for the both of them. She would come and complain to me. He'd come and complain to me. And then I'd have to take the message back. I finally said, no more. Like you two need to communicate, whether it's negative, positive, whatever. I'm out of it. I don't want to communicate with either of you. And your children, you're setting up the example for these children for their relationships later on in life. And this is how you want to handle it. And you know, it doesn't matter how much lecturing I do to the two of them. They still can't. They couldn't see when they were married. They still can't see it now. But that's not for me to fix. <laughs> I learned that. Yeah, I'm glad that you were smart enough to step out of it. Um, a lot of stepmoms come in and they're like, well, my significant other and his ex don't get along. And I get along with her fine. So I'll take over the communication. And then I find out that a lot of times the stepmom jumps in and says, hey, I'll take over the communication, but it's because of trust. She doesn't trust mm -hmm. those two talking. She wants to know. She wants to know everything that goes on. So if she's the one doing the communication, then there's little chance that the bio mom and bio dad are talking about things they shouldn't. But they're also not talking about things they should, which is yes. parenting and how to do it in a normal, healthy, I mean, normal. What is normal in this situation? We don't really have a normal, but yeah, we'll create yeah. a normal. <laughs> like if they can't get along, the kids will always see that and it will always hurt them. And it doesn't mm -hmm. matter how many times I say it, a therapist says it, a mediator says it until they're ready to do it. It's, it's on them. And I, that's where this whole nacho method has helped me too, because I, I nacho the two of them. I don't care. You don't get along today. You had an argument. That's your problem. It's, you know, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I love you. 
I support you. You know, I'll tell you how I feel, my perspective on what you did, but I'm not going to comment on the kids. I'm not going to comment on mom. And it's really hard to get to that point because you are emotionally invested and you want to fix it. I mean, I know I wanted to fix everything for everybody, but then I ended up broken. Right. Yes, because we become overwhelmed with everything. You can't take on the burden of four other people who have toxic relationships. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. not, it, it's, it will eventually eat at you to the point where your relationship with yourself becomes toxic and you can't find a way to take care of yourself or even be there for everybody. Right. <clears throat> My son's father and I, um, we do not co-parent. We parallel parent. We cannot get along. We have, I don't even know that we've tried, honestly, we just don't. And at first it bothered me that we couldn't work together on things. And then I was like, wait a minute, my son's taken care of, you know, that's what matters. It's if I, I don't need to call his dad and say, Hey, Jackson has this concert at school tonight. Do you want to come? My little boy is old enough to where he can go, Hey daddy, I got a concert coming up Thursday. Do you want to come? And it's, you know, that way I'm not in it and I don't, because my ex would look at it as, oh, you're trying to play happy family with me, <laughs> you know, when really you're just trying to yeah. co-parent. But I, I gave up on that um, quite early in the relationship. I mean, of course, I would ask something like, have you given him any Tylenol recently? Because you need to know those things. But other than that, I just didn't really worry about it a whole lot. Um, for instance, I would pick Jackson up. His dad and I split up before he was born. So I would pick him up, you know, when he was like three or so, and I would go, have you fed him supper? Well, that that could turn into a very bad thing because it could be, of course I fed him supper. What do you think I am, incompetent? Or it could turn into, no, I hadn't fed him supper. It's not supper time. I mean, it was just always a bad interaction, regardless of what the discussion was. So I said, you know what? I'll ask you, I'll fix him food. If he eats, he eats. If he doesn't, he doesn't. I just had to step back from trying to interact with his dad because it was not healthy for me or him. And then it would fire us up to where it would um, come across to where Jackson saw it. And I feel like I am in a relationship with someone who's, who they're going through that same thing. They just can't progress to that next level of co-parenting. Like there's always going to be some sort of just miscommunication. And I think that's probably what, I mean, I can't, I'm not a therapist, but I think that was a big issue for them not making it as a married couple because they, they just Mm -hmm. couldn't find that, that place where the other person is listening to the other person's perspective. That thing that I touched on in the beginning, like if you really just cannot stop and put your own perspective aside for a minute, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. That's why I think it was easy for them to use me as their um, voice box, I guess. Because I was that kind of person, like I would just put myself in both of their shoes and say, hey, listen, but this is how she sees it. Hey, listen, this is how he sees it. And then, you know, stuck in the middle of it, but they have to some, at some point go to counseling, go to therapy and figure it out for their kids. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I'd use you to deal with my ex if I could. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I allowed myself to be steamrolled for a long time, um, just not understanding that that wasn't the way that their traditional family rules really don't apply in this situation. And that's another source of like my husband's hurt too. He had this picture of us being this one big happy family and we were all just going to keep going on vacations and we were just going to keep doing these fun things. And the kids were always going to love each other and they were always going to love us. 
but that's not realistic. And for everybody to get to the point where they say, listen, that traditional family thing doesn't work for us. We need to find the right thing before we all lose our minds and just go with it. The societal norms, those expectations that other people say you're supposed to have, that does not work in this situation. That's my biggest piece of advice. Just stop trying to be what everybody else tells. It's the same thing with social media and the mom shaming and, and all of that. Stop trying to be what everybody else wants you to be and find that perfect, happy, positive place for you and forget everything else. Right. <laughs> and once once we let go of the nuclear family dreams, things become a lot easier. We're no longer trying to force something that's not going to work. And the same as once you come to the re- realization that, hey, they are not my kids, that, again, takes a lot of the pressure off because you're not being pushed into a role that more than likely is not working for you, but definitely isn't working for the kids. Yeah, it definitely wasn't working for them. And they weren't able to really communicate it, I think. And now that they are, the hardest part of it, I've never had a struggle not being their mom. Like I always understood my role. I had to deal with it with my kids and and their dad, you know, moving on and getting into another relationship. So, you know, I didn't want to treat her as the evil step monster, that societal thing. I hate that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to take that role. I always let my stepdaughter's mom know, you know, I'm not looking to take your place, but it didn't matter. That was just something she had in her head. So to go from having kids that were like friends to me, did get along with, you know, if they had a question, they didn't even think twice to have to go ask dad. It was just, oh, Christina, can we do this? Um, Now to have them like just, because some people go into it and the kids just hate them right off the bat. I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. They were my friends. We, We did see eye to eye and we did get along. And now to have them not, that is really, really hard. And it added to that. You know, like, I feel like I'm failing, you know, we're, we're not Mm -hmm. succeeding at this anymore. Like, how do we, being able to be flexible in this type of family is huge. And that from day to day, they're going to like you or they're going to hate you. And you just kind of got to roll with the punches. Right. And with us being the step parents, it's easier to blame us for Mm. everything because they're not blaming their mom. They're not blaming their dad. They're blaming the quote, quote, outsider. I was, I mean, I didn't. I, I still get told, you stole my dad. You stole my dad away from us. Even though that is not the situation at all. Um, they really just feel that way. And I'm glad. I'm sure mom has a lot to do with I, that. She might. She might not. But I think that the lack of supporting the two two households, like understanding that, you know, when you come here, we don't bad mouth. We don't even discuss the other household because this is our family unit. Like you walk in that door, you let everything else go. Um, but I don't think that happens over there and there's no support. It's not a, you know, well, that's your dad and you really should listen to him regardless of how we get along. That's your dad. I don't think they're getting that. Whereas I build him up, you know, he's a great dad. He works hard every spare day off. He's with you. You know, they, they used to hear that from me. Now they don't hear that because we don't talk. Um, it's just hard. It's hard to feel like you don't matter anymore. And I I had to let go of a lot of that, those feelings Mm -hmm. of they used to love me. We did nails and we did each other's hair and we did all the girly stuff together. And now I'm seen as like Cruella DeVille. It was, it was Mm -hmm. hard to deal with that. And nachoing has really helped 
let go of that. Like, I don't care if they see me as Cruella DeVille now. Like, I'm just, I'm upstairs. I get my me time. I spend time with my daughters. I, it's, it's been a positive experience, but because we've let it be a positive experience. Um, yes. Instead of focusing on the negative with the stepkids, you're focusing on your marriage or your relationship and then your relationship with your own kids. Yes. And that little mm-hmm. bit of time for me or that little bit of time where, you know, Brian has to step away from the kids and he makes it a point to come over to me and like give me a hug or kiss me and just say, I appreciate you. Um, it wasn't happening before because we were all just kind of trying to blend. Now there's a definite, like you can see these little mini micro relationships going on. And it's good because the kids are teenagers now and they want more time with me. His girls want Mm -hmm. more time with him. And so being able to kind of let go of that nuclear family expectation and just do our own thing. It's made everybody so much happier. Yeah. And a lot of people will say, well, I don't want to be two different Mm -hmm. families under the same roof. Well, that's what you are. You are. You really are. Like the values in one household is, are different than the values and what's important in another household. You know, we're a positive household. We try to say everything in a positive manner, move forward towards one common goal where not everybody ha- has that same household. Like there's stress in the other household. There's, you know, they live with grandma and grandma's old world Italian. And so she doesn't believe in divorce and she doesn't believe in blended families. And so a lot of those values are being passed down. So you can only work with what you can work with. You can only work with your little house in your little box and that's it. And that's right. even though other things outside affect that, you know, we try to make it that when we're in this house, that's all that matters. That um, different. Mm-hmm. So we started something new now that you bring up the different families, different households um, mm-hmm. with the kids not being here a lot, you know, they forget a lot of our house rules and I hear a lot of, oh, she has her phone at bedtime. That's not fair. We're not allowed to do that. And mm-hmm. it's a cue. I, I did pick it up from someone on the Nacho Kids page. They say, well, we have different families and different households. Sometimes there's different rules. And that's a cue to my my other half, who's not always so quick to pick up on things. If he hears me say that, because he always wanted us to be one big happy family, he hears that, well, we have different rules in different households. That things are... That's where he'll step in. He'll hear it. It's like a verbal cue. And he'll be like, hey, listen, you know, we have the rule here. Bedtime, no cell phone. You need to put your phone up. So I don't even have Mm -hmm. to get involved anymore. It looks like I am just telling my kids, hey, in different homes, we do different things. And then dad Mm -hmm. is the one that comes in and says, hey, you know, you know the rules here. This is my house, my rule. And it's taken a lot of that pressure off of me where I used to be the dictator and I used to enforce all the rules and dad just you know oh listen to what Christina says now Uh we don't do that Uh anymore and it really helps um sometimes they're just not they're not on the even though you're on the same page when you're having your spousal talks and your combos in the bathroom they're not really always thinking the way we are they're not always thinking of anything I know my husband he'll just be Mm -hmm. sitting there what are you thinking about I wasn't thinking about anything you're just blank it, that's yeah. so that's so funny you say that because my mind is always thinking. Oh, me too. Always. What's the next thing I have to do? Like yeah. and that's the worst because that's when we start getting into that like negative trap or the anxious trap where you're like, "Okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to I'm never going to get all this done." And as soon as you start thinking that way, it takes everything with it. It's like a chain reaction, like dominoes. So, yeah, once you start thinking that, you might as well have conceded yeah. to it. 
And I don't think we understand that. I mean, I wasn't raised that way. My mom was a very um, negative person. She's always been. And I was raised kind of that way. So I've had to change my entire way of thinking. And it's been being put in this situation that has really helped me examine myself. And, you know, am I really the problem? And I, you know, when you feel like everybody's blaming you and it's all coming at you, you, you stop to think maybe I am the problem. And once I started reflecting on myself and trying to grow and be a better person and think about everybody else and their feelings, that's where that change happened. Um, and it's mm-hmm. once that happens, I think it takes everybody along with you for the ride. So I don't know if it's this way in your house, but sometimes I feel like even though dad is supposed to be the head of the household, sometimes mom is the one that's just steering that entire ship. So if my feelings are going down, everybody's going down with me. If I stay up, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of pressure sometimes, but it's good pressure because it keeps me where I need to be. Yeah. I, uh, my mom was a very negative person too. And like you said, I have to make a... Well, I don't have to anymore. It's more natural for me to be more positive because I worked on it so much. And I'm not saying I'm 100% always positive, but I try to be aware of my thoughts because I don't want my kid to be negative. And the other day, I noticed something with him. He was, well, that teacher, da, 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 da. And I'm like, you've got to quit blaming everybody. That's, you know, it's not their teacher's responsibility to make sure you wrote down your homework. That's your responsibility. And whether you've got a good teacher or a bad teacher, it doesn't matter. That grade is up to you. Absolutely. It's that whole like accountability for ourselves. Nobody else yes. is going to fix you. You have to fix you. <laughs> yeah. And you were talking about the diff- we were talking about the difference between the two houses, but a lot of times it's even in the same house. For instance, my husband might not care if his kids play on their tablets all night and don't go to bed till two o'clock in the morning. Whereas I want my son in bed at 930, no electronics. And that can cause a conflict. And then a lot of people go, well, we're in the same house. They need the same rules. No, they need to understand that you are their parent and you decide what the rules are for them. And that's key. That is huge. Um, I... No, don't don't get me wrong. I think house rules and consequences are awesome, and they help a lot, especially when the bio parent says, "Hey, I'm leaving to go to the grocery store for a little bit. While I'm gone, I've asked stepdad to make sure that he enforces the um, consequences if you break the rules, because you're shifting that power to right. them. So, I, you know, house rules can be good. I'm not saying that they can't, but you can't say this is our house rule and then one person enforce it and one person not because then that's not a house yes. rule. And we went through that a little bit in the beginning before I started saying, Hey, listen, you're killing my credibility. You're like completely undermining me. Brian would do this thing where if I was home, Oh no, we're not wrestling. We're not running through the house. We're not jumping off the furniture. But if I wasn't home, Oh, Christina's not here. We can do all that. And yeah. I had to say, listen, you're basically telling them that, I'm your parent too. Like that you're just a kid and you have to listen to me too. Not we are a team and this is how it is in our house. So we had to kind of grow through that too. He was just undermining Mm -hmm. me and not realizing it. He thought he was just, you know, being fun dad, Disney dad. Right. Now, does he nacho your kids? Not not your hours kid, but your your daughter's? In a way, you know, he tells them... 
I'm never going to take the place of your dad. I don't want to be your dad. But, you know, if you need something, I want you to know you can come to me. So Mm -hmm. he doesn't really step in like house rules. I kind of take over all of that. And while he's at work, I'm doing that. So if he comes home and he hears, you know, one of my daughters giving me some pushback or I'm saying it's time for bed and they're being ridiculous, that's where he'll kind of step in as a backup. But I've told him that that's okay. Like we've talked about that and the kids are okay with that. Um, But Mm -hmm. that situation would never work right now with his daughters. We wouldn't be like a, you know, they're not listening to him and I have to come in and back him up. I don't, I don't even worry if they're listening to him or not kind of thing. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? (laughs) Oh, it makes perfect sense. And and that just shows the difference between that just shows how different a blend can be. And it's also, I think like that stigma that we're fighting so hard to get over when a dad Mm -hmm you know, does or a stepdad does something for a stepdaughter. Like he goes to her concert. We applaud him like, oh, isn't that great? He's stepping up to support her. Like, that's so great. But when a stepmom goes to their stepdaughter's concert, why is she here? Why is she overstepping Mm -hmm. her bounds? This isn't her place. She doesn't belong here. And I don't understand where that disconnect is because it should really be the same. Like we're all supporting these kids. We all love these kids. If everybody just mm-hmm. thinks about loving the kids before they think about their own hurt feelings, I think we would all do so much better in this situation. And that's what we kind of try to keep in the forefront of our mind. Just love the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and they're kids and they won't always be kids. And you want to have a relationship with them to where when they do grow up and move out that you can play grandma or a grandpa and that's things that's like that. Been so real to us lately, but we've, you know, we're getting used to the fact that they're growing up and we're seeing how fast it's mm-hmm. going. And, um, just that was my big factor in talking to him about getting along with his ex better because you know, what's going to happen at weddings, what's going to happen at, you know, the birth of your first grandbaby, you want to be there. And we're a co- like, we're together. We'll have been together. Who knows? Almost 20 years by then. Hopefully they wait till they're 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. like, I, you know, we want to be there for those things as a couple. It's not going to be, you know, sh- it shouldn't be that way. So that's kind of, we're thinking about the right now, but we're also trying to raise adults that are going to be good people that we want to hang out with. We don't want his daughter to get mm-hmm. to that adult phase and be like, Oh, well, you're not bringing her in here. She's never going to see this baby like that. I don't, I mean, I don't want to think that it would ever go that way, but like, that's something we struggle with too. That forward thinking, like, how is it going to be in 10 years? Are we going to be in her life? Is she going to want us around? Cause right now she doesn't. And it's right. the morning, all of those dreams that you had, just kind of letting mm-hmm. it happen. It's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know um, how well you know my story, but I disengaged fully for a year. And that entailed me not taking the kids to school. David found a different way to get them to school and home from school. He dealt with their homework. He cooked supper when they were here. He made sure that they did their chores. Well, if he wanted to. <laughs> And (laughs) yeah, I mean, if he wanted to do the chores for them instead of telling them to do them, that was fine. I didn't care. It shouldn't matter. At least they're getting done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so 
that year, it gave us time to heal from the hurt. We all needed that time. But it also got the kids to the point where they realized, you know what? Lori does not have to do crap for us. Anything she does for us, we need to be appreciative for. Well, I am hopeful that that's where we're headed, which is why I'm doing all of this. And I am hopeful because, you know, something, I don't know if you've experienced this. I have kind of followed like your, we've listened to the back podcasts and because it's been helpful for my husband. How do you Mm -hmm. deal with, he, he'll do this thing where at times, you know, we're talking and we're trying to figure things out for the kids and what works best. And sometimes he gets a little resentful at the nacho method. He gets upset like, oh, you're just going to nacho that because you don't care about me. He takes it into Mm -hmm. like a personal thing Mm -hmm. and that I'm not supporting him. How How do you get past that? Like, how do you deal with that? You just keep reassuring them that you are supporting them. You trust that they make the right decisions involving their kids. And if they need your help, then they need to ask for it. But it is not your job to take over their parenting and that the kids, they need the bio parent to do the parenting as much as the bio parent needs to do the parenting. I I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, it's easy. um, You know, from let's just switch sides. You know, you said look at something from um, a different perspective. Here's this man that growing up all his life, his mama probably took care of everything in the house, took care of everything to do with the kids. He was married. That's what was supposed to happen. Now he's remarried, and here's this woman that says, you know what? No, I'm not going to be the mom to these kids. You need to be responsible for them. And he may be okay with it in some instances, but then when he starts getting stressed out, he starts thinking, wait a minute, I don't have any help. I didn't marry you to make my life harder. I married you to make my life right. better. That That's when we have to say, look, I'm here to help you in any way you need me to, but that does not mean taking over your job as a parent. And I bet you when he says those things to you, He's frustrated, and a lot of times he doesn't even know what to do. He's a Mr. Fix-It. So if there's a problem, he wants to fix it. And in these, that's my biggest advice. I keep telling him, it's not going to get fixed. It's not an overnight Mm -hmm. fix. Stop trying to just fix it with another conversation. Or if you yell at her, she's going to understand that she has to stop being like that. It's not... Mm -hmm. It's never going to be that way. He's got to understand, like, it doesn't get fixed overnight. And that's kind of where we are. That's what, that's, you hit the nail right on the head with mom. His mom was still very involved in his marriage, in, you know, watching his children. And I really think that he finally, not to be, it's when I say he's finally growing up, I don't mean it like I'm demasculating him or undermining him. He's, he's a grown man, right. but mm-hmm. he is for the first time having to take the parenting all on his shoulders. He can't communicate with ex-wife. His mom isn't just going to, you know, do the disciplining or do the babysitting or whatever she was doing. Mm-hmm. So now it's okay. It's real. And he's, he yeah. can't just fix it. Like he has been able to his whole life. And that's, right. that's kind of where we're at. And he can't nacho either. <laughs> I'm sure your husband probably has some guilty parent syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. And that's understandable. And even in a nuclear family, 
parents beat themselves up all yes. the time. Yes. <laughs> and it's even worse when you're in the blended family because you beat yourself up because your kid doesn't have the nuclear family. You beat yourself up because the stepmom's fussing at your kids. You beat yourself up because nothing's fair between your kids and my kids and our kids and everything's just crazy. And then it's, well, I don't know how to handle this situation. That's more of a mother motherly role. And so what do I do? Well, you do what you can and you make the best of it. And you just keep telling yourself that each day we are all learning and we do what we need to do the best way that we know how. Yeah, just ride the waves. Ride the <laughs> waves. That's definitely it. Ride the waves. And, you know, David and I talk about this a lot too. Women seem to get frustrated that their husband doesn't, quote, quote, man up to these stepkids that are being mouthy or whatever. And yeah, a lot of it is because of guilty parent syndrome. But a lot of it, too, is they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, they can say, okay, well, I'm taking your phone for a day. But then the kid's going back to mom's for two weeks. And he always feels like no matter what he does, he's going to upset them and they're not going to want to come see him anymore. Yes, that is the number one fear, I would say, of all of us. I'm like that with my son. I don't want to make him mad to where he wants to go live with his dad. Right. But that's not parenting. <laughs> right. There's a lady, um, Melissa Brown, that we had talked to. She does the Blended Family podcast. She's awesome. Both of her daughters chose to go live with their dad, I believe, at the age of 13. I can't imagine. It breaks my heart thinking about it. But she knew it wasn't because of her as much as it was, hey, I'm 13 at my dad's. I can do this. I can't do that here. So, of course, it was more appealing for the kids to want to go live with dad. Absolutely. And they have a good, she's got a good relationship with her kids now. It's not like they went to live with dad and she never talked to him again. But that is our biggest fear is that the kids will say, well, if you're not going to let me do this or you're going to talk to me like that or I'm going to have to follow these rules, then I'm going to go live with my mom. And like for me, I don't know. I I have always supported any, because I've never wanted to be blamed for my daughter saying, oh, well, it's because of you. We don't have a relationship with dad. I've always mm-hmm. been very supportive of that. I have said in my head, you know, what if they do want to go live with him someday? I'm, I've told them, if you do, I won't stop you. Just let me know if you need a plane ticket and call me when you need me. And I don't understand the other position where, um, you know, mom just feels so like in competition with dad. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And feeling like you have to teach your kids like, oh, well, he's, he's a deadbeat or he's this or he's that. That doesn't, I don't know, that always shakes the infrastructure of a child in my mind. They're both of you. Yeah. They're half of you. So you're just teaching them that half yes. of you is horrible. So I don't, yes. I don't know. I never understood that. So I can't see it from her perspective to try to figure out how do we fix it. She's just very, mm-hmm. um, like, I don't want you to go with dad. I don't want you to be with dad. I, I want the control, maybe. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is mm-hmm. for, some t- for some moms in that position? Like, they feel like they're losing control. So to control the, the relationship with dad and make it look like he's the bad guy, 
gets my kids more, maybe? Is that how it's kind of seen? I'm trying, yeah. to, <laughs> trying to wrap my head yeah, around it. But, but from my standpoint, it's more of I want my son. I don't care if he was going to his friends every other weekend. I want mm-hmm. my son. And no, granted, if his dad wants extra time, my son's old enough now that he can tell me that. He'll he'll say, hey, my dad wants to take me so-and-so. Can I go? Well, yeah. But when the kids are little, it's more of we don't think about the kid because they don't really have much say. And we just think, well, no, you don't need to get them extra. I want them. Right. I just, I feel um, like it's gotten, it's been the opposite for us where when they were younger, oh, no problem, extra time. And oh, sure. As they get older, we're starting to see where everything is an issue. Oh, well, that's not following the court order. And, you know, even to the point where the court order has been discussed with the children. And so instead of mom communicating with dad and saying, oh, well, you know, the sleepovers this weekend, it's what the kids know the court order and communicate with dad and say, well, the court order says we're supposed to sleep over. And how come you're asking me if I want to sleep over? Well, because I'm trying to give you that opportunity to make the choice, let you know that I love you and I don't want to pressure you if you're feeling uncomfortable this weekend. But now it's, well, that's what the court order says. You need to follow the court order. So even though they don't want to come and sleep over, even though they feel uncomfortable, my stepdaughter won't leave the recliner. She will sit on the recliner, sleep on the recliner, want to eat on the recliner. Like she just will. That's like where she sits. The only time she gets up is to go potty. Yes. Really? So like she's, it's very strange. I see like, I want my dad, but I don't want my dad. Right. That's kind of where we are. Like, I want to be with my dad, but when I'm there, I want to punish my dad and abuse him and make him feel bad the whole time I'm there. Right. Because dad's probably not, especially with having two kids, he's probably not dropping everything to cater to them the whole time that they're there. Right. Because he can. Like, he sees it as this is my home. You're coming into home life you should just fall right into home life over here. It shouldn't be an adjustment. And I'm here and I love you. And so what do you have to be so upset about? And, you know, we'll just do the same normal things we always do. But they don't mm-hmm. feel like they're part of the family because they're getting told that this isn't their family. So that natural just coming over, hi, Dad, can I ride my bike? And can I go play with the neighbors is not happening anymore. And that's kind of where that's where the whole nacho thing started in our house. That's how it had to start. Cause I would get so yeah. upset. Like why, why isn't she eating? Why is she bringing cereal from home? Like, why is she just sitting here not talking to anybody? Like, what are we doing? That's so horrible. Not understanding that it wasn't anything we were doing. <laughs> right. She's just upset. Right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't know how to explain it, express it, go about it. She doesn't know how to fix how she feels. So we can't. Right. And a lot of times we can't pinpoint what changed. What changed to where the kids did feel comfortable in your home or their home with you, and then all of a sudden they don't. Is it because just hormones are at that age? Is it because they've heard something that they didn't like about the stepmom, so they're mad at the dad? Is it because they think that, 
well, it's not fair. Her kids get him all the time and only get him every other weekend. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a little bit of that. They don't understand that we really don't see him during the week. He's just has a bed here. He, he commutes to work and he runs a, an automotive shop. So mm -hmm. he commutes about an hour each way. He works 12 to 14 hour days. Sometimes if, an assistant manager can't manage the business, he might have to go in on his day off. So they don't understand that we really don't see him. I don't see him. And there's right. like that half hour before bed, an hour before bed, or, you know, the quick kiss in the morning before he goes to work. His Both of his days off have always been designated to visitation. And there mm -hmm. were times I, where, you know, I was the stepmom queen stepmom like wanted to win the award for best stepmom I guess and I uh -huh. I stopped my career and I stayed home to watch them during the summer so they didn't have to go to summer camp days off from school snow days because we get a lot of those here in New York and they were both working and all they had to do was just get up and go to work every day and I was doing all the driving and I was doing all the behavior modification and everything and I think that's like, they just feel like they're missing a whole life over here. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know, like they're missing their dad. Like he's here having happy family with us when they're not here. And then they come here yes. and they don't know where to fit in. I think that's, that's what right. it is. A lot of it. They, they feel like we're stealing him away from them. Mm -hmm. And I can see that. But the hardest part is when dad says, I want you here more. I want you to be here more. I want to spend time with you. I want you to live here for a week. And then they say no, but then they're mad at him because they don't have that time. Right? And you can't right. fix it for anybody. You can't win. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Now, you did say that y'all were going to get 50-50 at one we, point, right? We went to mediation and, and mom said that she was not opposed to us doing that as long as the kids were okay with it. Oh. And the kids were starting to not be okay with it because they were starting to not like me. Um, mm -hmm. I think an awareness of I'm older now. Oh, why? I see, I see dad and Christina always holding hands and hugging and they seem to love each other. Why, why aren't my parents together? Like, didn't they have that at some mm -hmm. point? And just understanding now when they were three and four, it was just, oh, that's who dad's with, and oh, that's who mom's with, and they just accept it and go along with it. Now it's like, oh, well, why aren't my parents together? What did happen? Yeah. And I think a conversation was had with mom, maybe, where mm -hmm. she kind of parentified her daughter, brought her up to her level. She calls her my best friend and might have told her details of the marriage and why they split yeah. up conversation that shouldn't have happened at 12 conversation that shouldn't have happened without him being there and talking about it with that, with them too, I think. Mm -hmm. So that, that's where I think everything changed is that they got older. They started to understand their parents weren't together and wanted to really know why. And when dad didn't have the opportunity to say his side, I didn't have the opportunity to say my side, mom and family were the only ones that really gave that input. Um, it changed everything. So they don't see their dad as a good dad anymore. They see him different. Right. Yeah. Cause y'all were the bad now guys. We don't know how to be the good guys because yeah. we were always already seen as the bad guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cause that seed was planted in their head that dad is the reason that 
him and mom aren't together. And then dad is the reason that Christina's in the right. picture and playing stepmom. We talk about this too a lot that even if the kids, I mean, even if the um, bio parents have been split up for 10 years, it's like once a stepmom comes in the picture, like that just means, oh my God, my parents will never get back together. This woman is the reason my parents will get not get back together. Right. It's like that's how the kids oh, see absolutely. it. Absolutely. And it's different if it's different with the mom. It's like if she's with another guy, they don't have that same um right. thought process about it. It's and, just yeah. You know, I think they see their mom, you know, she she's still hurt. She still feels like something was done wrong to her. And so she's now mm-hmm. made her battle, their battle. And we can't control that at all. Right. So I, I don't ever want it to get to a point where they don't come over, but we're kind of wondering if that might help the situation. If they have the choice to say, listen, we don't want to come over this weekend. And instead of mm-hmm. dad kind of like throwing the hammer down and saying, no, it's my visitation. You're going to come. I don't care if you sit on the couch the whole time you're coming. Maybe if we just let them be teenagers and let them Deal with the, right, like if they say they don't want to come and they're missing dad for two weekends in a row, let them do that because then they might miss you enough to say, hey, dad, can we go to McDonald's or something, you know, like just kind of, it, right. it's hard to let even that go and ride the waves because you just, mm-hmm. he, when my husband feels like he's missing out and I carry the weight of all that for him and I don't want him to miss out. No, you don't. And your kids, um. Your oldest bio daughter is the same age as my son. And, yeah, girl, time goes fast. fast. Way too fast. Yeah. I mean, if we look at it, we might have, oh, and it's probably going to break my heart and make me cry, but we might have four to six years before our kids move out. Oh. <sighs> I don't like thinking about it, but that kind of puts oh, the pressure on it, too, because you're thinking, all right, yeah, we don't see you for a month two months and we don't have you for that much longer. Like what, but I'm a very, I've always given my children extra responsibility from a very young age. They were four and five learning how to wash their laundry. And I've always kind of let them be as independent as they wanted to be. And it has helped me Mm -hmm. as they're growing other parents now, because you know, societal expectations and social media and the Pinterest moms and this mom and that like a lot of parents think that they have to helicopter and they have to kind of just stay there the whole time and work with it and get you through it. But when you're that, that's what I'm trying to advise him to be not a helicopter parent, not hovering and Mm -hmm. forcing because you're not really teaching them to self-regulate. You're not teaching them to understand their emotions. You're doing it for them. You're telling them they have to come over instead of letting them say they don't want to come over, deal with it for a couple of weekends, and then realize, hey, wait a minute, I am missing my dad. And this naturally letting it happen. Right. Um, so totally different households in that that way too. Mom is very, you know, control, hands-on, always there. And I don't seem to be that way. So I get flack for that too because, oh, Kaylee stays home alone? She could get kidnapped. Someone could kill her. Yeah. She watches her brother while you go to the, the grocery store. Like, that's horrible. So I get flack for that, too. And 
you know, it's mm-hmm. everybody's household's going to be different. Everybody's values are going to be different. We just try to do the best when they're here and try to love them. And I do love my stepkids. Right. I don't, I nacho out of the love for them, out of wanting to just let them kind of heal in yes. their own time. Where I don't know, I've noticed lately in the group, a lot of people are getting flack for nacho or they're doing things that aren't nacho that's not loving. The dishes, the right. dishes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. It drives me crazy. And then you'll say, well, that's not nachoing. Well, why not? Well, did you read anything about nachoing when you joined the group? Because, you know, one of the questions is, is you need to read better. up You're on it. You're trying to make these kids and feel like they're the, you know, the lowest bottom rung of the earth. Yeah. And I tell people, my nachoing did come out of love, but it came out of the deepest, um, darkest struggle that we had, too. But a lot of people think that you nacho because you hate the stepkids. No, you nacho because you love your husband or your significant other and you want to have a good relationship with them. And you may not like the kids and that's okay, but they are also an extension of your husband. It shouldn't. Anybody that gets into this nacho method should be doing it out of a love for their family and a love for their husband. They might not have to like the kids. I mean, granted, I don't like my own kids some mm-hmm. days, and they're mine. I love them, but they're annoying. Yes. Oh, and you can post that anywhere on Facebook. You're evil. You, post, you don't like those kids, girl. You better um, hide. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't expect someone to like my own child if they were stonewalling somebody or they weren't being respectful, I wouldn't expect you to like my daughter, especially she's a guest in your home, right? Mm -hmm. She comes over to sleep over, leaves her clothes everywhere, spills on your rug, doesn't clean it up and doesn't flush the toilet and tells you that you, you are the reason that their life is horrible. If my daughter went to somebody's house and did that, Mm -hmm. I have every right to be upset with her. So, you know, like the, I have every right to be upset that somebody's treating me poorly, but I don't have mm-hmm. the right to react and treat them poorly back because you're not teaching them anything. And that's that's the right. difference. If you if you want to nacho and you want to step back and you want to say, listen, you parent your children, do that, but don't do it out of an anger or a hatred or a resentment because then you're not doing it from the right place. It's the same thing with how you parent your own kids. If you're doing it out of anger and resentment, you're not – you're not doing anything in the best interest of the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, when I first started not showing, my stepkids did not like me and I did not like them. I could not tell you one positive thing about those kids because to me, they their sole purpose in life was to destroy mine. That's just how I saw it at that time. That's why I said it was imperative for us to have that year of me disengaging because it allowed us to step back, get over the hurt, and get to know each other a little better and kind of regroup. And now I can tell you a hundred things I like about all of them. They're um, they're awesome kids. They weren't bad kids in the beginning, but it was my reaction to things that was making the blend so bad. Like the rudder of the ship. That's really what it is. It's Dad can love me all he wants and he can talk me up and say I'm wonderful and I can 
stay in the background as much as I want. But if I continue to just have a negative reaction, I'm steering the ship that way. And I'm taking it Mm -hmm. to a place it doesn't have to be. So disengaging, loving me, and getting into that happy place is making everyone kind of happy. And even my own children, like they were getting very upset. I didn't really touch on it, but they were getting really upset. The My stepdaughter, the oldest stepdaughter, and my, my middle, they called themselves the Maniac Twins. They were besties from day one. And they, you know, would sleep together when there were sleepovers, and they were inseparable. And then this really just, like puberty does, changes the, the how their focus is and it separated the two of them and my daughter did not deal with it well like why did I lose my best friend why did she blamed you know their mom she blamed anybody she could and I had to just get her to see like hey mm-hmm. it's not you don't react that way don't cry go out of your way to show her how much you miss her go out of your way to talk to her when she comes over don't hide in your room and so we've seen right you know, a change there where they were very, oh, I don't want them to come here. Now that I've taken a weekend or two and I've gone and, you know, I took them roller skating, just me and them. Or, you know, we went to the mall, just me and them. We had girl time. It's Mm -hmm. changing their view of when Brian and Kayla come over. Now it's, oh, hey, you know, how was your week? They even ha- they have a little conversation yeah. and then they retreat to their corners. But at least now I'm seeing an improvement. So, you know, I can only hope over time. I'm hoping that a year is all it's going to take. But, you know, even if it's longer, we're, mm-hmm. we're in it. We're in it to win it. <laughs> yeah, and the key to it um, is to re-engage slowly. You know, once that year was up, it's not like I came in and, and – or they came in from their moms. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Did you miss me? Did y'all have a good time? Better take your clothes upstairs. <laughs> I mean, you know, it wasn't like that. And there are still things that I am completely, that I completely nacho with them because it's not my place. But they know that I love them. They know that they can ask me anything. They know that they can trust me. And they know that I always have their best interest at heart. But it took time for them to learn those things. Time. It feels like we don't have that much anymore, and we need more, (laughs) a lot more. Yes. But, like, you know, look at it like this. The kids are only there every other weekend. So how long does it take for you to really get a year's worth of time with them? Well, Christina, it has been great having you as a guest on the podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I'll do it anytime you need me to. (laughs) Well, I would like to have you back to talk about autistic children because we had said we would get into that, but we kind of got sidetracked. But I do, (laughs) yeah. So I do, I do want to talk about that. So hopefully we will see you soon again and hear more about how to deal with autistic children. Great. I'm, I'm ready when you are. Great. Well, thank you again. Thank you, Lori. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You know, we talk about how nacho kids can save your sanity and it's true. Mm Mm-hmm. If you do it properly, it is such a stress reliever. I remember when I started nachoing, it was like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. And it automatically changed our dynamics in the blend because the kids saw that that weight was lifted off me. Yeah. And you were less stressful, Mm -hmm. which means you were easier to deal with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And then, you know, by removing yourself from some of the stressful situations, um, you know, I was more able to see some of the problems that, uh, that were thought to be problems you were causing or part of, but they weren't. But because you were out of the way, now I could see that. Right. And that's what we have to do. Step back so you can see the issues. Mm -hmm. And I like how Christina mentions the uh, blend being a pressure cooker, like Ron Deal says, or a crock pot. Crock pot, yep. Yeah, not a pressure cooker. (laughs) The pressure cooker is what gets you in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, it's a crock pot. It's, you know, it's a slow, steady process. It takes time, people. Yeah, but that's not how we go into it. You know, you and I entered into this thing, and you know, when we got married at the wedding ceremony, we had this thing we did where all the kids had a different color sand, and they poured the sand into the, you know, this um, container, this glass container, one at a time, symbolizing, you know, each individual person being blended into this new family dynamic. And then we thought we would go home, and everything would be great. And we did our research, people. Yeah, I know. I mean, we we didn't think it would be easy. We knew there would be humps and bumps and trials and errors, but nothing could have prepared us for what really happened. No. And part of that's because we do go in as step parents or step moms trying to fix everything. We're and we're trying to fix something that we didn't break. Mm-hmm. Where well, everything's going, you know, this particular direction. You know, the, the family dynamics are all happening in this particular way. And then you come you come in and you say, all right, now we're going to do things this way. And now we're going to change this thing and we're going to change that thing. And even if those changes are for the better, it's still change. And people don't deal well with change. And it can be a lot of change. It can be from what's fixed for dinner, how I expected the kids to come straight home and do homework, whereas David thought the kids needed time to play before they did homework, or chores. Or just the decor in the house. hmm Yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking that you need to change the decor in the house because I want you to feel like it's your home and, you know, kind of get out all the bad and bring in the new. Get rid of uh, them lighthouses. And then the kids are looking at it like, wait a minute. You know, we've had it this way for years, and all of a sudden you come in, you start changing everything. Well, that brings up another point, is I moved into the home that they have always had. Yeah. If we could have had it any other way, um, if you didn't live on family land and that whole thing, I really would have preferred if we could have built a house mm-hmm. and had a new start for everybody. Yeah, it would, it would have been different for sure. Yeah, because even with my son, it was, you know— he came into this house and the brothers be like, no, that's our house. Yeah. But even buying a house or building a house, you'd have somebody say, well, we, we wouldn't have had to do that if Lori wouldn't have come into picture. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't have had to have a bigger Christmas tree if Lori wouldn't have came in the picture. Yeah. Now we had to have this new house and, you know, moved out of our old one with all the memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, there's, <laughs> there's not a hundred percent way to get around it. Yeah. And I think stepmoms come in and they want to help the kids be better in school. They want to help the kids eat healthier, be more responsible, blah, 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 blah. And then they meet a lot of resistance and then they end up so stressed out that they're broken. Yeah. Well, on top of that, a lot of times the the guys in a relationship also expect that. You did. And I don't mean expect that from a like, you're going to do this. It's not that kind of expectation. It's just. 
okay, you know, we're a family now. And you're the woman. And, and here's what bio mom did before. So this is what you need to be doing. And here's what I did. And this is what I need to be doing. And then you try to run your house like it's uh, a nuclear family. And the only thing that is nuclear is the explosions happening. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. And that's like, um, I read something one time and it had to do in relation to trust. And, you know, pretend that trust is a vase, not a vase, y'all, a vase. Yeah. Vase is cheap. Yeah. This is expensive. <laughs> and the vase is broken. And you can take super glue and put it back together, and it can appear that it's never been broken. But the truth is, it will never be the same. Mm -hmm. And that goes for nuclear families that turn into blended families. You can try to fix things all you want, but they're still broken. They're not, you can't make it not be broken. No, but. And I don't, I don't want to say that blended families are bad. When it's, I not, say broken. it's not that they're broken. They're just different. Like you've changed the you you've changed the structure at a at a subatomic level of something, and that that goes for everybody. Like I am not the same person today that I was years ago, whether it's one year ago or twenty years ago, and and it's because things happen in my life, some positive, some negative, but everything changes me at some level. And makes me who I am today. I don't necessarily consider it broken, but I definitely consider it different. And how somebody dealt with me, for example, 20 years ago, and who they looked at me and saw, and all, all the dynamics around that are not the same because I am not the same. Right. And the reason why is because of everything else. And that's it happens the same way in a family. Right. And stepmoms try to look at it as they need to fix things. And it's not something that they quote, quote, broke in the first place. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's just too overwhelming for everybody. Yeah. Well, some things don't want to be fixed. Right. And some things may not even need to be fixed. Right. And just because David may not parent like I think he should doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means it's different. Yep. Well, I want to talk about something real fast. It's coming up on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. We have a special mm -hmm. Black Friday to Cyber Monday using code B as in Bravo, <laughs> F as in Foxtrot, 2019 will get you the first month at 50% off. Yep. Of the Nacho Kids Academy. Of the Nacho Kids Academy. And each month thereafter would be normal price. But, I mean, we got to have a Black Friday deal. Yeah. Yeah. So just go to nachokidsacademy.com. And if you uh, click on the the month to month pricing um, cart button there, then it's going to take you to another page. It'll you'll see a little blank that says you know enter coupon or something like that. So put in BF two zero one nine, and then that coupon will give you an immediate discount of fifty percent off the first month. And it's only valid from from Black Friday to Cyber Monday. Black Friday to Cyber Monday. But you know what? You can also tell your significant other to get you this as an early Christmas gift. That's, that's honestly a good, um, a good thing is that you can give this to somebody else as as a gift. I mean, I know it's can't you can't wait till Christmas to give it to them, right? But 
you can give it to them early. I've seen people say that for um, wedding gifts, they're going to give people a membership to the Academy. I think they should. I do too. Absolutely think they should. Or even better yet, a bridal shower gift or something in advance of the wedding. Yeah. So before they move in together, they have some clarity on um, how things might be looked at differently. Uh, Trust me, that would be an amazing gift for a new blended family. Hey, maybe we should hook up with Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank because he does all that wedding stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll start our own uh, gift registry. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I like that idea. Blended family gift registry. I'm writing that down. I really am. I know. It's amazing the ideas I can come up with. Uh, (laughs) See. (laughs) All right. We done? I think so. All right. So that's our show for today, folks. Remember to catch the Black Friday deal. It only happens once a year. Matter of fact, this is the first time we've ever done it. So (laughs) you might want to jump in there because you never know. We might not do it again. But uh, check that out, nachokidsacademy.com, and use BF2019 to get that deal. If you know anybody that needs uh, the Academy, then you know get them in there. Let them uh, get all the value they can get out of it for that first month. And if they keep going, then great. If they don't, then at least they've got some tools in their bag to use uh, for the problems they're having in their blended family. So we'll catch you next week as we dive deeper into some nacho stuff. <laughs> Talk to you later. Ah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.